Hello everybody, this is Rick Travis here. We're here with Coffee with Melissa, episode number three. My my partner in crime. Say hi to the people. Hi to the people. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about a couple things. One, we're here at the Manhattan Cafe, so we're always talking about human relationships. And of course, her being the author of the Glass House Chronicles, it's all about being open and understanding people and never throwing the first stone, right? That's right. So, but also here in, in, at the Manhattan Cafe, we have the fact that uh, I was watching the service and how they, and then one made a comment, the great and wonderful Demetra made a really good comment about how when you have customers coming in, how you can actually kind of train them, coach them, treat them to actually behave and interact with you guys at this place without having to lose your customers or upset them, which is something that, what do you think about that, Melissa? What do I think about that? I think that there's a sign that says we refuse the right to reserve, to refuse, we reserve the right to refuse service to anybody. Right. And I think that it only takes once or twice in the last two years that I've been here, I've only used that sign twice, mm-hmm. but I think that it's really impactful. And, and honestly, I think we have a team that doesn't tolerate Rude behavior, behavior. Rude inappropriate comments, behavior. Rude comments. Yeah. Yeah. So, and how do you guys handle when you do get somebody like that that just uh, comes up and says, "Hey, nice, whatever," you know, or or, or in the, or the second double meaning phrase or whatever? Um, I can only speak for myself. Um, but we definitely make it a point um, that it's inappropriate. Um, or you just smile politely and just... Um, kind of give metal a stare. And just kind of roll your eyes or just kind of give like a nonverbal gesture mm-hmm. that it's not appreciated. And I think, mm-hmm. if it, and I know that when it keeps going on, that, um, that the whole staff is 100% behind just asking them to politely leave. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to get aggressive. You don't have to get rude. You don't have to use like horrible language or anything yeah. like that. Unless you want to. Yeah. Like once in a while, I want to. Yeah. Um, but but most of the time it's just about just walking over to the table, politely picking up their things and just letting them know that they're finished. But I've seen you guys do it and just even even under me because I was also sometimes made <laughs> not thinking about it, just saying it. But even I caught on. But I quickly, you know, fixed the signal. Okay, I think that's again. where your think, coffee quits getting poured. Yeah, <laughs> and you're just non-verbally it's time, it's time to go. <laughs> excused. Yeah. So I do have I do sense that, but is that that seems to be like what's happened with a lot of folks here. They quickly pick up on that signal if they have half of social skills to do that. Well, and another thing is, is even even though like uh, there's conflict with the team here once in a great while, we we strive to like maintain like a team unity. And so, if one server is having a problem with the table, then the other servers like no matter what your opinion of the situation is, like the other servers like like in a in a hurry or right right behind that server mm-hmm. and say somebody's yelling at a server or talking rude to a cook or another person i mean the rest of the staff is we don't like take part in talking trash about our fellow employees we don't mm-hmm. we just don't do things like that um we just all kind of um back each other up no matter what and mm-hmm. and um yeah because i was reading this book by simon senek it's called uh, uh leaders eat last and one of the things that he says that leaders need to do is provide an environment that's that's safe and fun, something where the employee doesn't feel like they're going to be fired or, or where they're in danger yeah. of losing their jobs. Or, or so they're more productive this way because now they're actually wanting to come to work. This and is they the first the place that I've ever worked at. Where the first month that I started working here, I've been here for over two years. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner, uh, Rick Rogers, um, one, a customer had gotten um, just like really rude and started cussing or whatever wow. and he just uh, politely smiled at them and they had sort of kind of went off about me and he just said is that a fact is that right and he listened to me took the time to listen to him and then he just quietly escorted him to the door and told him that um, he just didn't need their shit 
he wasn't going to tolerate anybody treating his staff like that. And it doesn't matter really what their storyline is. Right. Like our, our and he kind of sets this, the example. He he sets the bar for mm-hmm. how we treat each other, how we treat our customers, and what he'll tolerate. And we don't lack business for sure. Right, we don't lose sure. business over it. In fact, no. we have probably the More most um, respectful, awesome customers in town and sometimes things aren't great here sometimes our grill goes down sometimes we're so busy it's taking 45 minutes to get your food and that's just all part of life mm-hmm. that's just all part of yeah but that's what makes it great because if you did like if you did take control of a situation like that then that also brings the team even more like, uh, oh, confident yeah. and, and knowing that hey Super I'm not just a number here I'm yeah. actually a vital part of the team yep. and so you'll take care of it like I'm watching you guys just put your stuff together like for instance the syrups and, and the ketchups you see one that's empty or low, you fill it and you put it back up. Yeah. Most places, whether whatever work environment they're at, there's like, it's not my job. I'm just or they're just lazy. They don't do what they need sure. to do. The little things. Sure. Put something back in, or don't put back something in its place, and then later on it's chaos because you can't find it. Well, you and know? another thing is, is some. It's just for, like my opinion is, just from my own experience, is that most places are just way too micromanaged. Yeah. Like they want to, like they want to micromanage everything, like to the point where there's no like moving room and like you can look at it like well we're just keeping everything structured and detailed but the other thing is is you're kind of paralyzing your team mm-hmm. and everybody feels like they only have this one square foot to work in like we don't have sections here mm-hmm. um, we don't um, we, we do a split tip throughout the house so basically you learn real fast which is I think a message that society in general needs to get is you work together as a team for the benefit of the entire place right and so I mean there's not like you know these tables are mine those are yours that's my tip hey why are you talking to my table there's nothing like that so you just cut out a lot of the bullshit right. and and everybody just treats people great wow. for the benefit of ourselves and for and for the customers so you guys see that's something that's not being played out in many places uh, many businesses which you're, you're seeing them fall out or losing or they're closing uh, like last night I was walking around and I ran into one business owner and all I could hear was complain and whine and blame everybody for all the problems because of why things aren't happening, why they're not getting more customers. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there, well, well isn't that part of the your, you know, challenge to figure that out and yeah. bring customers in? And so, uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with the leadership and, and it rolls downhill. Yeah. Like, and I know. think sometimes if people would just step back and if something's not working like in their restaurant or in any business, try doing the exact opposite of what comes natural to you. Like, right. um, so we, we like often tease in here cause we talk about like how, like our team is like a bunch of orphans, you know, <laughs> yeah. like our owners don't have to be here 24 mm-hmm. seven. Um, and that's why he's the owner, you know, mm-hmm. that's why he bought this restaurant. That's why he runs it the way he runs it. Um, and the, uh, manager doesn't have to be here 24 hours a day. And that's, you know, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It means they, they create a lot of trust with us. They, yeah. they trust us with that's their, their livelihood, their lifeblood. So right. that's a big thing. <laughs> So if you feel trusted, you're not, you don't feel like somebody's watching over your shoulder every yeah. five minutes. You know, like when people are just, like when you're signing your name or, or your yes. counting change and people are watching, you get nervous. I can only imagine, you know, that must be the same feeling when you're at work. If you have yeah. somebody always over your shoulder and you're not trusting you to do your job. Because I've seen, we're watching, that was one of the comments or conversations this morning here with a couple of customers and they were like really impressed at how you guys work as a team and the food is yeah. really good. Yeah. You know, so. So anyways, part two of this podcast is... about getting out of your own head and your own limitations and whatever it is you want or ever thought about doing but you never did because you're afraid to do so especially because of the fear of criticism from the outside world but in reality your own critic your own personal critic inside is 
the one that's more and more critical yeah. of yourself than anybody else on the outside looking in. And unfortunately, most people don't realize that until much later in life. Mm -hmm. And like in the last two years, the greatest lesson I think that I've learned in the restaurant, in my family life with my kids, um, in the uh, drug and DUI court program that I'm in, is this. They, we are always seeking validation, whether it's from a mom or dad, our um, like probation officer, judge, coworkers, whatever. Right. So we're always wanting that approval. And anybody who says that they don't want approval from somebody else is probably not being 100% honest with themselves. But we're always seeking that like validation or that approval. And the and the black and white truth of it is, if people can just try try their best to understand this, is that other people are not even capable of giving you the kind of approval that you need. Mm -hmm. Like the kind of approval that I need, yeah. I can only find for me personally with God and looking in a mirror. Because as long as I can say like I'm I'm good with me, I'm good with who I am, with mm -hmm. like my morals, with the way I treat people, with, and I don't do everything perfect, far mm -hmm. from it. But I'm very human. But uh, as long as long as you can figure out how to not seek approval from other people, um, and and seek that validation like from yourself and approve of yourself, wow. I think um, it'll change your life. It'll change the way that's you look at your life. That's a good point though you mentioned. Yeah. Um, Give me one second. Yeah. Well, she'll I'm be back in a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, that's the one good point she made is that you're never going to find the approval of somebody from the outside. It's going to be within yourself to... to to uh, to accept yourself and then love yourself at the most part, but for the most part too, those what I was talking about is we're seeing a lot of people who who are uh, especially in today's today's world, they have all the actionable tools, all all the tools available to get ahead. And you don't you know, and a lot of folks are still being held back uh, because of fear of what other people are going to say about them. Or uh, it's really really an internal battle in between your your head, and, you know, in your mind about as far as what's going to happen with. Uh, you know what people are going to think about or say about if you don't succeed at whatever it is you're trying to achieve so that's what paralyzes a lot of people and that's why they don't go out and do it but for the most part she did melissa did hit a good point was the fact that uh most people are looking for approval from the outside world and from sources that are never going to approve anyways but here's one thing i do have to say though is that Genetically, humans are designed to be part of a group of a society, so we're always trying to be accepted. So, all through high school, even when you're a kid, you're looking to be part of the group, you're looking to be accepted of the group, you're looking to become a valued member of the group. Uh, otherwise, you know, you feel rejected and inadequate. In many cases, causes a lot of mental problems. But for the most part, um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the best thing to do is you got to figure out what it is that you want to do. Go after it. And then if you need to, go find the resources or the information you need so that you can help get yourself out of your own head and realize that, hey, it's not that bad at the end of the, at the, end of the day. So, Demetra, what do you think about that? About what? About you know, people limiting themselves to any goals they want to reach, but they don't because they're afraid of what other people say or failure or... Uh, I would say, who cares what other people think? Yeah? It doesn't matter. Yeah? How, do you, how would you... How would you like talk to like somebody like the more that you go out and you do things that are uncomfortable for you the better you get at doing things that you never thought you would be so, able to do so taking that risk to grow and get above yes. the next level yes. okay so that's another thought about that you have to get you have to stretch yourself you have to grow um one of the things that the brain that tony robbins was talking about was that well, humans have have are always looking for things that are certainty they're looking for security but at the same time, in order for us to grow, we have to stretch ourselves and take risks that we normally would not take because uh, it could be uncomfortable or painful. No, I'm still going, so we're good. Melissa's almost back. 
So we were just talking about, I was just talking to Demetra about that and asking her about uh, how do we talk or show, what should people look at if they are feeling like afraid to take a risk or a chance. And then she mentioned something we had talked about before where like, well, the brain's looking for certainty, the brain's looking for safety, but at the same time in order to grow, we need to take those risks That's right. to expand and grow. Yeah. So what would you say about how people should start or do um, Well, here's how not to start. (laughs) Do not start with cutting your own bangs. It never works out well. (laughs) It's horrifying. Yeah. Like those kind of adventures, they just keep getting shorter. Um, I would say a lot of people like Denitra, super smart, super, I mean, she really like has a lot of depth. She really has Mm -hmm. like amazing intuition, understands people really well. And I like, I'll just use her for an example. I think like if she were to ever venture out to start public speaking, talking to people, uh, working with like different like youth groups or women, like she has a lot to share. She has a lot to teach. Mm-hmm. Like, well, actually, as does everybody like mm-hmm. in this place, like right. everybody in this place is on fire. For, um, it's kind of a passion here to like right. just understand people, make this place like the best experience ever for people, make it feel welcome. Um, but, um, so August 9th, I'm doing a community service project, right? right. It's the uh, community talent show, and it's a variety slash talent show. And um, I was asked to give my, uh, tell a little about my story. It's the first time that I'm, I'm actually going to speak in public, and I'm so freaking nervous. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. Talk I'm, about I, stretching that. Yes. Like your mess and your brain going to the next level. Yes. And so uh, I've really, like, I've really just started, like, stepping out, just kind of trying to practice. I don't want to get stage fright or kind of freeze up mm-hmm. up there and not know what I'm talking about. Right. So, um, like, I started um, uh, doing more um, videos on the Glasshouse Chronicles, just being by myself and knowing that I'm talking into a camera that's going to be exposed to right. however many people is nerve-wracking for me. Right. Um, but then I, then I started thinking, I'm like, you know what, every day I come to work and I talk to perfect strangers about the best food in here. And as long as, long as I know um, that I am, like... I'm the professional. I know my story better than anybody else. There's not a person alive that can tell my story better than I can. Um, I think it's just like that little tiny drop of courage of just like doing it once or twice. The first couple times are going to be nerve wracking, you know, but I think it probably goes away. It goes away with practice. I've done it a lot. I got really comfortable at public speaking and even I have, like I said, last year I did a speech at the high school according to the kids and I was the best speaker. <laughs> you know something? <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And if, I, I think if you can just stay out of your own head, mm-hmm. like just stay out of your head and stay out of worrying about, oh, I wonder what they're thinking. I, yeah. oh, they, I wonder like if I'm just appropriate, if they're getting my message or whatever. Because you get so distracted with your, yeah. when with I, your when opinion I, of yourself that you, you're a lot of the time yep. unable to relay the message you're even going after. Well, well that, when I did that speech at the high school, I wasn't even going in there. I didn't have any prepared. I was just thinking, what can I bring a value to these kids that that maybe I put myself in their shoes and I thought, I remember at that age, all I was looking to see if the other, could see the other girls down her skirt or something back then. Oh my gosh. It was just being a you know, teenage yeah. boys, right? That's the kind of thoughts you're having. Your hormones are going. You're not paying attention. You're sitting in the back goofing off. You don't really care about who's coming up. So I was just thinking, how can I grab that kid? You know, how can I just get their attention? And the funny thing was, it was like, I was able to just pay attention to what they were saying or their, their body gestures. And when I started losing them, I had them smile at each other. I said, okay, hold on a second. I'm losing you guys. Yeah, make eye contact. Yeah, my smile, guys. I said, I, I asked the one girl in front who was kind of like shy, the shyest one of all. I said, would you mind smiling? And she's like, what? Yeah, I dare you to smile. I think you have a beautiful smile. And she's like, so she just naturally grinned, a big old smile. Sure. So I started smiling with her. And I go. And it was contagious. It was contagious. Like the whole wildfire. class started smiling Heck and yeah. laughing. Yes. Right? Okay. So then we continued to talk. So everyone's about, engaged again. Right. So the whole point was 
about because I was teaching the class about entrepreneurship, and I go, that's my point. We're like designed and genetically programmed to go with the flock, with the sheep, with the herd. And so when you start to step out of line, it's, then you know you get that's when you get you can get hurt out there. So we're programmed not to do So anyways, I was just telling them that you have to learn how to make mistakes, lose, be that one that's going to stick out no yeah. matter what. And because you know it's when you lose, anyways. like, keep the lesson. Yeah. Look for a lesson in every single, like, every single, like, I don't really want to call them failures, so I just don't think they are failures, but for lack of, like, a better lesson, word. it's just teaching. It's yeah. Experience. Like, that's how you get experience. Life, our whole life, from the day we're born, no matter what we've gone through, and a lot of people have been through some terrible, heinous things, mm-hmm. but if you can just, like, flip it around and just know that, like, you're intended for a greater purpose, like, whatever that purpose Purposes, only you know, mm-hmm. um, like, and that your whole life from the day you were born and until you were 28, like me, mm-hmm. like the last 28 years, yeah. liar. Yeah. You are 28. <laughs> I'm 38, like the gun, Dude, she is like the super pistol. Like 28. Um, and just understand that it was all for, tra- it was all training, it was all lessons, it was all, it was yeah. all to bring you to this present moment, yeah. like without. Like if we knew what our life was going to be, we knew all the things, the trials and the and the training that mm-hmm. we would go through to I become what we were supposed little, to be. And that way you can just go, right? I don't think we would even attempt it if somebody were to ever tell me, even five, ten years ago, if they were to say, "You're going to wind up, you know, um, getting hooked on meth. You're going to end up uh, spending some time in jail. You're going to like by your own free choice separate yourself for whatever reason right. from your family. You're going to hurt the people in your life that mean the most. And in the end, you're going to come out." You're going to rise back up, you're going to come back up, and you're going to understand, like, the human race, humanity, um, better than you ever did before, and you're going to, you know, take these lessons as, like, hurtful as they were for yourself or your family, and you're going to do something amazing with them. Like, I would not have signed up for it. I would have ran the other direction. Mm -hmm. No way. If we knew what our life was going to be, but but looking back now, I'm grateful for those lessons, and I'm grateful, and if if you can turn, like... Come up stronger. Yeah. I'm I'm a better human being for it. Stretch going over to the uncomfortable. Yeah. Doing things that are uncomfortable to make you go to the next level. In fact, the, when I first came up with the community service project and Judge Baskin, she's the um, drug and DUI court judge, mm-hmm. and like she's kind of a, a big judge, you know, and um, she makes me nervous as hell. Like <laughs> I can't tell if the lady likes me or hates me. Like and so and so I had to stand up in front of you know like 30 people and talk about my community service project, and I was super nervous. And anytime they were trying to like my um, the uh, drug court team um, before presenting it actually in court, they were having me do these practice runs and I was just fumbling and forgetting stuff and I was like oh my gosh she said just pretend we're all Judge Baskin I'm like that's just nerve-wracking what the hell <laughs> like so when I finally got in there I am a professional humor deflector mm-hmm. I deflect really well with mm-hmm. humor mm-hmm. and um and thank god for that because instead of it like being like oh you think everything's a joke Melissa and it worked really well for me that day because the day I had to present in front of court in front of all these people mm-hmm. um she asked me, she was just asking me a random question. She said, well, Miss Christensen, um, like, uh, at your project's in July. It may not rain, but what if it does? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I know you're fine. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Yeah. Like a stroke of genius, I just looked at the judge and I said, well, I guess we'll all wear black t-shirts. And she, oh my gosh, the whole courtroom lost it. And I was like, I can't believe I just said that, like, you know, but, no, but, that's, but she you know took what? it really well and it... But the best speakers do have mm-hmm. use humor. Actually, use humor a lot. Yes. Because otherwise, you lose the crowd. That's yeah. what I did that day at the at the classroom. Is I use humor, and then a couple other things I did throughout that one speech. But uh, since I started doing my own thing, and I was working for another company in direct sales, and the training we went through, the best speakers use humor. Yeah. And so it's not a bad thing, you know, unless you're using it inappropriately at the wrong time. But you eventually gauge it and just just trigger on it. You're already yeah. intuitive to it, so you're good to go. But other than that, though, ladies and gentlemen, we're at about a 20-minute mark. We don't want to bore you guys, but 
What a wonderful freaking conversation today we had. Yeah, I love talking about people. Yeah, like not gossiping or anything. Not gossiping. But we're just talking about how to do experiences and how to do things better, what to expect, yeah. what's going on with our lives, and as far as we can know, that that's this today, this self-help industry that's now being a the billions of dollars a year now. It's it's actually triggered something that people are realizing. You know what? We need There's more help. There's a necessity for it. We need more help. Doesn't mean we're you know in the 80s and 90s they were just diagnosed as you're, you're crazy. Don't want to a shrink. Oh my god! Now yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. heck no. We just need more education beyond That's high school, right. grade school. Because once people start understanding themselves, they yeah. mind how things work, how, things work. how important mental health is. Like um, then they can start changing things about the way they think about things. Oh, about here the way comes they the man. Here comes, here comes the man. Speaking the man with about the energy. Community What's service. Up, can you help me out, people? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> he's all nervous. This oh is live, my, my friend. This is live. The world is watching us. He's, he's running off back to the kitchen. Back he to the kitchen. Well, he's another example, though, of, as far as the team, right? Oh he's out there helping gosh. with community the service. Leader. The, the, the kids. The, he's coaching kids. I mean, and he runs a good staff back there. He's never with really a good heart. With yeah. like the right, with the right heart. This guy is probably, in my opinion, like the best like coach in Mountain Home. Right. I mean, the kids have fun, and as a result of them having fun, they feel very confident. Most of his teams are undefeated. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's something to be said about somebody who can spark that kind of energy. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter what age is there. It, mm -hmm. it could be T-balls, T-ball players, to um, you know, eight to twelve-year-old girls softball players, yeah. to a team at the Manhattan, to clear up until like the um, co-ed softball team that he's on right now. Yeah, he, I tried phenomenal. coaching a while back, but again, I was coaching in the ghetto and trying to. Those kids are undisciplined as hell. There's no way I could. I, I didn't have the experience back then to do that. I could probably go back and do it. But back then, when I was in my early 20s trying to coach these, these teenagers that were from, you know, moms and parents with drugs yeah, and just, sure. just out of control. But they were looking for a safe place to be. Yeah. And baseball was, I was coaching was something they really liked. The problem is I couldn't catch them, get them to sit still to, to freaking catch a ground ball in practice. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted just to play and goof off. I'm like, why are you guys even here? It was so frustrating. You got to a point where like, I, I don't, I'm not the guy for you. But now I think I would be. I would be a whole lot better than I was back yeah. then. Uh, next time we're going to talk about a project that we're working on called the Pinwheel. And we're going to continue to talk about the Glass House Chronicles. But... Melissa knows I'm working, trying to work with some uh, displaced teenagers here in town, and it's been very, very overwhelming for me. So hopefully, well, it's emotional. Yeah, yeah I'm it's just, I'm sure. hopefully next time we'll do this podcast, I'll have some more information and a little bit more clearer thought as to far how do we want to talk about it because yeah. I don't want to just blab about it. But anyway, <laughs> you guys have a great day. All right, thanks you guys. Bye. All right, hey, bye. <laughs> <The> animation. <laughs>